0: All right, everybody, welcome back to Uncle Sam's Mobile Carnival. Actually, that was the United States Marine Corps. I am out now, but today's podcast is with a group of people that I want to change the world with, and it has been fun. Katie, can you give everybody a little bit of an insight of what we talked about today?
1: Uh, I think the better question would be, what did we not talk about? Uh, Facts. but, But to answer your question, we talked about how to radically transform your life, your relationships, your business, and the answer is not what you probably think it is. (laughs) <laughs> and you will discover the answer in the podcast
0: today. Look at the open loop. I love it. I am so proud of you. Brian, what did we get from your side?
2: Man, my side was just a, a way to receive and uh, connect with each of you in a more deep, integrous way, starting with myself. And so the reality of it is, as we did this in our entire show and our whole discussion today, all we've done is lived our truths to give everyone else permission to live theirs. And so there's uh, a many moments that I was learn, learning throughout this process. I'm just, uh,
0: here to hopefully try to pass on some of those lessons. And then when we wrapped the show, we did a two hour intervention, come to Jesus therapy session with all three of us. But here's what I got, how we went from product to pudge, how values are always the primary and product should always be the secondary. When someone opens up your product or service, can they feel your soul? The 18 inch journey is a two way street. Are you ignoring your check engine light or paying attention to where it takes you? Are you being praised for your addiction? True strength hides behind vulnerability. Is your default operating system riddled with viruses? Nudges. Do you have a team that nudges you or shackles you? You cannot change what you can't see. What if your feelings were rocket fuel that others didn't have access to? And insight is exhilarating, but it doesn't create change.
2: Ah.
0: Boom. True. True. All of that, plus a little bit more in today's episode. So we're going to stop this. I'm going to highly recommend you listen, take notes, and send me a DM with the words that say error of you, and you'll find out why in the episode. So without further ado, let's cue the intro. Are you ready to ethically scale your business? Good, because this is the Mind of George podcast, where relationships beat algorithms and depth is the only direction when it comes to ethically scaling your business each monday and friday i'll be the guy between your ears in the hoodie and pink shoes guiding you home giving the tools to extract honor and amplify your genius so you can be the light for your customers sound fabulous cool let's get into the episode all right everybody welcome back to another episode of the mind of george show where this one might feel like the peanut gallery or the kids that got in trouble at the principal's office but i promise you they are not in trouble i'm not holding them hostage they are here by choice but let me tell you who is here and why they're here i would start with my main man but he's been talked about enough so let's just talk about the queen of authenticity and power the woman about putting you back into everything you do standing with alignment standing in your belief system and being unwavering in that From babies and Pudge to the woman who helps realign people to step into their potential and achieve greatness without ever sacrificing anything. A woman of family, a woman of love, a woman of faith, a woman of integrity that you can feel ooze out of every pore of her body. And Brian are on the show today. So let's get into the show. (laughs) That was a perfect introduction. Exactly how I would have wanted it done. Thank you. I I know. And. And Brian's gotten enough of my eight mile intros. Like we have quite a few versions for him, but of course we have the man in the show, who will teach you how to embrace pain to avoid suffering, to uproot your beliefs. So you create space to till the soil, to plug into new ones specifically about making this the error of you. I don't oh, know. We'll man. stop there. I, I love S- it. So excited to be here with you. I'm stoked. So for everybody to have some context. Two of my dear friends, world changers, big bright lights in the world that I'm honored to call friends and honored to have here. Uh, We've been having technical difficulties in making this happen. So they're in a hotel room propped up on pillows with some window light. Brian's wife is running around making them look better. And I keep saying they look like the kids in the office in trouble, but we are excited because we have something to share with all of you, but we're gonna save that for down the road. And since Brian, you've been on the show already, Katie, I could never do you justice with your story. But could you give us kind of like the overview on how you just went from, I don't know, you were probably born a badass, but ended up, you know, publicly a badass for the whole world to see to get you to this point.
1: I am a product designer. And when I had two young kids, I created a brand with products and grew that company into a multi-million-dollar international company called Pudge, P-U-J. And we design and manufacture really incredible products that help you simplify parenthood ship those to 2000 stores in the US 26 different countries, and then five years ago, sold that company. And now I full time coach people inside of their business.
2: And I have to say that 32nd version doesn't do any justice. She was here (laughs) with us in Vegas doing a whose story shoot, three and a half hours on the couch and the entire room, we could hear a pin drop in every voice, every connotation, every word, every story, the relatability on so many levels her story which is way deeper than that section even if oh, we yes. are close to oh, I can't yes. wait for her truth to give others permission to live theirs on an even broader scale because you were exactly right in how you introduced her she is a badass on all levels
0: yeah we'll 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 get there so so Katie Katie doesn't like people to know that she wears a cape so she hides it and she's so humble she's like the Clark Kent walking around here and everybody wants to know she's superwoman so Katie we're we'll going go a little bit deeper. You can deeper.
1: be humble and superwoman at the same time. Yes, you can.
0: Yes, you can. You can, I I love it. So Katie, can I have maybe like a, a 90 second version of what made Pudge so different and how you saw it differently to get it to the results that you did?
1: So Pudge was founded on the concept that products were secondary to your relationship with your child. Mm-hmm. And as a mother and product designer, it was able to take that, those principles and infuse those into all of the products that we created. And we very early on identified our values, which were simplifying parenthood, um, independence of freedom, family, and now and wow. Well. And I really feel like taking those values that I live personally, and that I believe in, and infusing those into every touch point of the business, Like that has been the significant key to all of it. And we were... We've been really fortunate to be featured in a lot of our incredible places like the Ellen DeGeneres show, the Rachel Ray show, the Today show. My husband and I have been on the cover of Entrepreneur magazine. And when people hear all of that, they want to know the secret. Like, how did you how did you get them to talk about you? How did you get them to publish you? How did you get them to put you on national TV? And the truth is they all came to us because they were magnetically attracted to those values and they could feel something. Like at the end of the day, George, that's what happened. I had people who would meet me at events. I would speak at something. They would come up to me afterwards and say, you know, I knew nothing about you, but I pulled that baby bathtub out of the box and I felt something. I felt like I could feel your soul is what somebody said to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened. Like when you can know and identify your values and you can infuse that into everything that you're doing inside of your business, uh, magic happens. And people feel something. And when, when somebody feels something versus thinking something, it's much deeper and they, you, you literally make this human connection with people. And that's honestly been the secret to the success of both my physical products company and my coaching.
0: Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Brian. Oh, you, you think I wanted to add to that? <laughs> but you always want to add to it. That's what I love. I'm like over it. Brian, Brian's like the best hype man we could ever have. I love it. He swears I'm a good communicator, but I take so many notes from him. So Katie, this is yeah. kind of a perfect, perfect segue. Because I think what you nailed more than ever, and the, the thing that I get from you, like specifically around, and for those wondering, we'll tell you what the error of you challenge is. Uh, it's going to cost you the equivalent of a drip cup of coffee. Uh, we'll get there. But when we talk about feeling, Katie, I feel like that's one of the biggest things that's missing in today's world of entrepreneurship and business. And so, Brian, I'm going to parlay to you on this one. Okay. Because you are the king of getting people to actually fall in love with and coexist with their feelings not denying it not pushing it down but giving it a cup of coffee and either saying sit down let's have a conversation or sit down shut the fuck up i have work to do and i'll talk to you later but either way you help people relate to those feelings and so can you give everybody kind of an overview of like what that's like like one of the favorite things that you've ever said to me when you gave that talk at my event was basically embracing pain to avoid suffering right and and it's it's very intentional what it does but that was part one. Part two that got me was when we talked about coexisting with it to where we could find the triggers and identify them so we knew where to pull the roots out rather than yep. letting them come back over and over and over again. And so I can't even frame this with justice, but can you just give me your Brian spiel on that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I'll, I'll keep it really short and sweet because again, I'm sitting next to the Don't. queen and we've got a lot to talk about, but um, you know, <laughs> the, the core fundamental of it is I, I had a mental narrative that served me really well for a very long time. Right. And, and I'm really kind of on this mission to break down this whole idea of like mental toughness and all we need is a good mental state and all we need is a good mentality because it's only half the equation because both of our narratives intellectually and emotionally can both lie to us. And if we aren't really tapped into understanding both and making sure that 18 that inch journey from our head to our heart is a common two way street that we're constantly communicating back and forth. That's what gives us the ability to see the world more clearly right, we've lost the art of thinking, we've lost the art of feeling just in general. And so one of the things that I talk about often is not only do we need to relearn how to think and feel, but we need to understand how to think about our thinking, think about our feeling, feel our thinking and feel our feeling in that quadrant. And so the idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering is anytime we feel any kind of negative resistance, anxiety, stress, fear, guilt, shame, you name the emotion, we can call it emotion, we can label an emotion, or we can recognize that that's also something that's pointing us at what's important. It's resistance and energy drain in some way or form or fashion. And so I'm in a process right now of taking the emotions and actually de-labeling them and recognizing what is the energetic state that I'm in and what is it actually causing? Is it propelled? Is it fueled? Is it directed or is there resistance in any drain that I've got to diffuse? At the end of the day, what we know definitively and working with some of the world's highest performers is that it's not just about a strong mental toughness, not just a strong mental narrative. It's about those understanding whether they are hardwired to operate first, intellectually or emotionally, and then learning how to tap into both narratives and balance and regulate between the two because they both lie to us. And when we Mm -hmm. embrace the pains that are in front of us that we see as all of these emotions that come up in front of us, we understand what they are and we put in the work to become aware, own them, unroot them and start to move through them. That's when we create a little bit more freedom. So to what Katie Mm -hmm. said on this whole concept of feeling, we are a dynamic feeling being, period, end of story, Mm -hmm. right? And so when we can feel, that's when we get moved. One of my core philosophies as well is that I learned very early not to get stuck by what has happened to me, but instead get moved by what I can do with it. And here's the reality, moved people, move people. So if we can recognize that it's really the whole dynamic self that allows us to move through the world, connect deeper with people, connect deeper with ourselves, connect deeper with those that we're doing this for and the businesses that we propel forward, that's when we create freedom. And that's truly the the, the baseline of why I want to align with both of you. Cause you both identify and tap into that philosophy deeply in your own worlds and in the work that you do with others.
0: Yeah. I just feel like I'm going to bake fortune cookies for both of you. And that's how I'm going to get rich. That's my new career path. Like when I'm done, I'm just going to make fortune cookies of everything you both say. That's it. So just so you guys know, it's coming. If you see me pipping out fortune cookies out of Montana, you know, I'm retired. That's it. That's it. I'm like sitting over here and I'm trying to take like show notes. And I was like, I'm not typing any of this shit. I can't even get it all out. It's just, but George, I want
2: to flip it back on you. I know this is your show, but I want to throw a question back (laughs) at you, brother. Throw it to me. I, I say to you all the time that you are one of the greatest communicators that I have ever met. And your mm-hmm. ability to actually release and surrender in the moment, allow yourself to be the vessel for the message that needs to be told and your flow state and how you articulate and put together words and thoughts and structures is not mm-hmm. only your gift in connecting with people, but your gift in helping people understand how to get a deep, integrous relationship with themselves and to use that to permeate into all of the other relationships in their world, because you always say, right, you don't have a customer problem. You don't have right a, an acquisition problem. You don't have a marketing problem. You've got a relationship
0: problem. And where does that start? Yep. And you know what, I'll take it even deeper after listening to both of you. It's a relationship with your feelings, right? Cause if we, if we really, if we really get into this, right, like this is why the three of us work so well together, you know, but where that came from, like, I actually have never even told this story of like where the RBA even came from. The relationships with diagram thing was like an, literally an accident. It was in a keynote and it was literally, I was being an asshole because I had this like heckler in the audience, like literally a giant heckler in the audience. And I was talking about, and this was like early on in my career. And so I was talking about like how the one thing, and I wasn't as articulate back then. I was like, the one thing that you can always win with is the human. And I would use a tangible example. I'm like, listen, if we send 10 customers into a grocery store and we have five of them go through one teller who ignores them and is rude to them, and we have five go through another teller who asks them questions that acknowledges their day, like. Which one do you think is fucking coming back? That's right. And I was like, this is common sense, right? And then this dude, I was talking about marketing. I swear to God. Back of the room, a thousand people in the audience. He's like, that's bullshit. And Brian, you know me. <laughs> I was young. I don't think I had done all the work. And it was you like reacted, you didn't threw, respond. Someone threw a red curtain in front of a bull and was like, sit. And I was like, wrong answer, bro. <laughs> and so I was like, stand up. And then I was like, expound for me. And he's like, well, that's bullshit and blah, 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 blah. And I literally, I'm taking my glasses off for this. I looked at him and I said, I see a ring on your finger. And he said, yeah. I said, how's your marriage going? And he said, we're separated. I said, sit down. I just fixed your marketing. Oof. And everybody just went dead silent. Wow. Like, nobody knew what to do. Oh, that's so a, good. Nobody. That's a mic drop. And then I stood there for a minute and I was like, okay. And I was like, hey, listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but typically the results that we get around us come from what we have behind closed doors. And I know this because this is the work that I have to do. And I can tell you that my business and the results in my business have a direct correlation between the depth of happiness I have with those closest to me, Mm. my wife, my kids, my friends. And I was like, I can tell you what your business looks like if you show me your relationships, oh, yeah. or if you show me your business, I will tell you what your relationships look like. thousand yeah. percent. And really. so it was kind of like out of nowhere. And then I ended that talk and it was like, I was kind of being a smart ass. I was like, Hey, sir, just so you know, this is why I think relationships beat algorithms. And that was literally how it came out. It was like the end of this talk so and it started making sense. And so I started going to companies and I started consulting and I was doing all of it already. But what I started realizing is like, I'd walk into a company and I'd see the C-suite and then I would see the team. Right. And I would meet with them as Brian, you know, me, I do this. I walk and I meet with everybody and I'm like, all right, tell me what's going on. Right. And I noticed the only the C-suite talking; no one else is saying a word. And I'm like, oh, I got this. Yeah, okay, oh, cool. Yeah. And so I finished meeting one. I send the C-suite out I give the team and I'm like, listen, my job's to fire your boss. Give me all the truth, all of it. I won't say a word, but tell me everything. And they're like, Right. And then I go to the boss and I'm like, tell me everything you hate about your team. And he's like, (laughs) and then what I had was these ingredients of like middle ground. And I realized they were saying the same damn thing, right? They wanted the same thing. And it was funny because the moment we started like co-communicating and coming to common ground, all of a sudden that week when I was in office, we didn't change social, we didn't do messaging. We didn't do anything. Efficiency became better. Content became better comments and engagement and captions became better because the team felt seen and heard and then the boss felt seen and heard and so then together they weren't on defense the entire time and so then i started realizing like wow what's the problem and i was like well the boss won't share his feelings cool so then the team can't share theirs and then it permeates out into the world and so i was like with yourself your team and your customers informed in that order and to say that The reason being is what you both nailed so powerfully. And Katie, I think one of the most powerful things that you said, and I had to write it down, it's when somebody opens your product or uses your service, can they feel your soul? Right? And when we talk about selling, when we talk about marketing, the definition of it is a transference of energy. Mm. That's it. And if we're not intentional about it, we're not transferring the desired state that we wish. That's right. And so when you when you talk about feelings, Brian. What I think about all of it is like I look at my career and the most successful parts of my career on paper were also when I was the most miserable checking boxes because I was running from my feelings, which is why that pattern repeated. It was all lost and all lost and all lost. Right. New boss, same result, new relationship, same result, new million, same result, lost it all. Right. Over and over and over again. And it's really interesting as we sit here and the reason we're doing this, I think is because I was convinced Brian because of my narrative that if I had trauma in my life, that meant the rest of my life to heal, it had to be as hard as what caused the trauma. Oh man, I get that. And so I had this measuring stick. I'm like, okay, cool. Well, I was sexually abused and I saw war and I saw people dead and I did things that no human should ever have to do. And I've been suffering for 32 years. So. If I dated somebody for a year, then it should take me what uh four months to get over the breakup by the math that we had in junior high. So if I had trauma for 32, maybe 10, 15 years of suffering, and then I'll be happy. Right. And so that was the narrative that I had. And entrepreneurship was the perfect drug because it's a drug that allows you to be an addict in plain sight. Yeah. You're rewarded. Yeah. And dude, you're rewarded for your praised. addiction. And so
2: it gets praised. And and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, that external success is what we seek for validation when we're really just trying to connect more deeply with ourselves and those that are closest to us, right? So we fill that yep. through these different mechanisms to protect ourselves, to hide behind elements to the world so that we can control, right? I've hidden behind my words before. I've hidden behind the external things. And the more vulnerable we are, what we don't recognize is that true strength actually hides behind vulnerability. Mm-hmm. What you just articulated as well, and it goes back to one of the quotes from our friend Alex Sharfman. If you're constantly putting out fires in your life and in your business, there's a good chance you're the arsonist. <laughs> right? I've said for a long time that everything begins and ends with you. But what you just articulated as well is so often what we do, I did it multiple times, right, where it's like, I repeated the exact same cycle thinking if I chase this strategy or this tactic, or I make this pivot, or I make this amount of money, or I get this car, or I get this house, all of a sudden, it's gonna make all of my pain and suffering internally go away. And inevitably, mm-hmm. it never does. Right. And so that's one of the things that we recognize is it's not the strategy and tactics keep people stuck. They're critically important in building and scaling businesses. They're critically important in understanding how to develop down that path, but they're not what keeps us stuck. It's a combination of those emotional triggers, behavioral patterns and environmental conditioning, which is why people see those same patterns repeat over and over again and never understand how to actually get to the root so they can move through it.
0: Mm And I, and I love it. So I'm going to segue over to you for a minute, Katie, but Brian, I, and, and I want to wrap this point, cause I know this is my show and it's the three of us. So I'm going to make it about you guys. Cause they listen to me enough. So they want some fresh perspectives. But I, I think for me, for everybody listening, like when I think about what we do and why we do it almost for five to 10 years of my life, w- was unbelievable to me that the path to success was actually that simple, mm-hmm. right? Like the paradigm that exists because of the world and I'm a marketer. So I have to take, you know, painful credit for this is that even the paradigm that we live in literally perpetuates pain, it perpetuates stagnation, it perpetuates symptoms instead of root cause because everybody makes money when everybody is sick. And so even in what was happening, I was like, there's no way, there's no way that like, I saw that I did that. And in one breathwork session. With a journal that I can feel better. I'm like, wait, I feel better? No, you're oh, lying, George. I, I, nope. I, I, you're bot nope. Where's the pain? And then, and then what's crazy though is like we laugh about that, but then I would go engage in self-sabotaging behavior. Right? Because I know Brian, we're like brothers, bro. I know. Because then I was like, oh, and and for me, and Katie, I'm gonna throw this lobby a question to you. My biggest struggle was is I was so comfortable in the chaos that I didn't have an identity without it. And so for me, even when there was that space, if I had taken the time to take a breath and look, I'm like, wow, I have everything I've wanted. I have everything, the gratitude, the life. But I was like, this is uncomfortable because it's comfortable. Break it all. Break it all. And then that's where I'd start to go. So Katie is somebody who... I'm going to I'm going to change your moniker a little bit to like I'm a product designer to I'm an experienced designer because I believe you create experiences and you use products as the tool. I
1: totally or the agree. Bridge. Yeah.
0: But as that experienced designer like when you sit here and say like I wanted them to feel me, I wanted the intention. I wanted them to open a package mm-hmm. and know my value yeah. and know my mission. Yeah. I would venture to say that the first step of that is really being embodied with your mission and vision. Yes. And so what does that look like for the average person? Like they're like, okay, Katie, I want them to feel this, but I'm stuck. Cause I have trauma and I don't know who I am without the story. And like, I know I want to be a lighthouse and I know I want to be different. But every time I go to share it, it's like. And it's like, it's like purgatory. And we know it's one step out the door, but like, how do you help people or what do you recommend they do to like really know that vision and that clarity and start to practice embodying it?
1: So big picture, what I help people do is I help them create a powerful operating system. Everything that you do, the way you view the world, the words that you even use, the way you describe yourself, the way you describe your relationships and your business, all of that is coming from what I call an operating system. And when you're not aware of Mm -hmm. that, you have the default operating system, right? You have what your parents have believed and taught you to be true. You have your environment, what you were taught at school. All of those things are creating what I call a default operating system. When you wake up and you realize that you can create your own operating system that then helps you move and navigate the world the way you want to, you start to become curious. Well, how do I do that? And that's what I'm helping people do. And the first three steps, it's a five-step process, but the first step is you have to be aware of what you're currently doing. You have to be aware of where you're getting in your own way. And it's not easy. And I help people navigate that. The second is you have to understand how to tell the brutal truth, the Mm -hmm. truth that's uncomfortable, the truth that you've been hiding from yourself, the truth that you want nobody to know about you. You have to understand how to tell the truth. Then you have to make a decision and redefine how you're viewing everything, how you view yourself, how Mm. you're viewing. And because all of it is, is being navigated through stories. And so as you extract all of this, you start to see the story that you've created for yourself. And again, you can put yourself in the driver's seat and use your own desire and rewrite that story a story that excites you, a story that energizes you. So rather than feeling drag, rather than feeling small and insignificant and reacting to that, which is what most people do, right? We show up and we posture, we, we fake it till we make it. It's not easy to navigate this. And this is what makes it so difficult for people is they can understand it in concept. And the gap is understanding it in concept and then actually being able to apply it and live it. Because when you understand in concept, but you're not living it, nothing changes. Mm. And it has to be applied in your life.
2: Yeah. And George, do you mind if I ask her a question? Please, go. To expand on that? Because I, 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 again, I just got to spend some really beautiful time witnessing magic on a couch as she was sharing her story. Um, and you gave multiple moments where you had to identify a misalignment in your truth. Totally. And then had to step into living it. Yes. There's a couple that are extremely powerful. I'm not going to point you at any of but i would like you to describe one of those moments in your life where you felt that yeah. you were not living in your truth yeah and how it was actually impacting you at the time and what happened when you moved through that
1: well to to your point where you're talking about like one of the early moments i remember this happening for me personally is i was a stay-at-home mother of two i had done very well in school i'd gotten a design degree i had received a scholarship from General Motors. I'd won national awards for, for my furniture design. But from a really young age, the narrative that I had created for myself is that my number one role and responsibility, and only, I might add, is to be a stay-at-home, stay-at-home mom. It was what had been modeled to me. It's what I had felt was, and I, I still believe is like a part of my divine journey. What I didn't realize is that is not limited to being able to also do something else. And so in my life as I was doing that there was a big part of me that was not being seen that was not growing and developing anymore and it just was i don't know supposed to disappear and there was a piece of me that was saying that's not okay and and you have gifts and talents and yes you're sharing them with your family and other need to, other people need to experience that too
0: mm-hmm. and so i was
1: in this internal battle because i felt like god was was giving me so many crazy opportunities to begin to develop a business, not because I needed the business, but because he wanted me to grow and develop. And I was saying no to them because my number one was being this stay-at-home divine mother, right? And as I was in this battle, one day I had a new thought, which was, Katie, you know design, you know creation. You're looking for proof that you can be a business owner, an entrepreneur, and a present mother. You don't see that model. But that doesn't mean that you can't create her, mm-hmm. the woman who knows and understands how to do those mm-hmm. things. And I rewrote my story in that moment. It was, okay, my identity is not just a stay-at-home mom, which for some people, that's their, that's their, their path forward. And that's great. And that's awesome. But for me, like when I told the brutal truth, that wasn't my story. Mm. That wasn't my desire that was happening inside of me. And there were so many question marks once I started to open up to that. I didn't know how to do all of those things. But the first thing that had to happen was me making that shift. And I'm creating the kind of woman that maybe the world's never seen before. And I'm committed to doing that and to figuring it out. Mm,
2: Katie, and from what I understand, everything in your world, your relationship, your business, everything changed. literally exponentially took yeah. off once you fully owned you.
0: Yes. And and with yeah. that, Katie, like owning you, was there was there a part of you that you knew internally and you're like, I'm going to own this. And then you told your husband and those around you, or is there a part of you that was like, okay, I think this is it. And you enrolled the people around you into the possibility. And then through sharing that story, it became accountability for you to step into that.
1: So my awareness at that time was really limited Mm. and I wasn't fully aware of everything that was happening. And I honestly like, was afraid to have those conversations with people. So no, I didn't have a conversation with anybody. I didn't, prepare them. I didn't show them the old story and the new one. No, I didn't.
0: Okay. And so did you did you just start down that path looking for clarity and, and collected the momentum and the pieces came, right? Piece by piece by 100%, piece. 100 percent
1: Hundred percent Uh I approached it like a design project and I actually started clipping out photos of women who I thought were kind of representative of this woman who was professional, who was in the business world, who was at board meetings and was making cinnamon rolls with their kids on the weekends. Mm-hmm. So I started to clip out visuals and I had it on the back of my bathroom mirror. And so every day when I would brush my teeth or put on makeup, I was seeing that visual reminding myself that I'm letting go of who I thought I was supposed to be. And I am stepping into a new version of myself that I hadn't seen previously, but that I now was telling the truth to say that I desire this.
2: Mm-hmm. Do I have permission to add on to that? Go for it. I, yeah. You said something yesterday that I think is really important and it resonates deeply with me. Um, there are times when I have not seen myself clearly, but my partner or someone else in my life has. And so I know that in some of my darkest times, those moments where I'm feeling the resistance and energy drain, feeling like I can't push through this next step to become whatever I'm supposed to be or whoever I'm supposed to be on the other side. I've had my wife, I've had other individuals who've given me a nudge. And I know that for you, oh, yeah. there've been multiple situations. I mean, you talked about the situation at a trade show where your husband literally pulled you aside and was like, Katie, where are you? Yeah. Like, what do you, like, where, who are where's you raised Like, where's Katie? Because as soon as you owned and stepped into Katie, but you didn't even see it. And so to me, that's why the who is is so important, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, do you know who you are? Do you know who you're doing this for? Do you know who you're doing this with? And do you know who you're gonna impact? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes you have to realign with who you're doing it for. Sometimes who you're doing it with has to nudge you onto your own path so that you can live into who you are because you might be blind in the moment. And so I don't wanna take any of the credit away from you, but I think because you're the one who did the work, you're the one who made the decisions, you're the ones who did that. But I know that in my life, they're bad yeah. nudges.
1: Oh, how have those nudges
2: impacted you?
1: Hundred percent. Like to to expand upon what he's talking about that story in Vegas, like so much, like literally going into debt, living on food storage, making four loaves of bread a week, grinding wheat. I, I mean, like that was the life that I was living. And then I'm at this trade show all of a sudden, and stores, real store buyers, Target. Nordstrom, Costco, like they want to buy my product. And all of a sudden I felt like I was having to hide the fact that I wasn't a real businesswoman and that I didn't actually know what I was doing and that I was just figuring it out as I went along and that I was shipping these products from my garage. Like I was terrified that they were all going to figure this out about me. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of my, where I was rooted in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? was fear. Mm -hmm. And my husband could sense it. And he pulled me out of the booth as Brian mentioned and asked that question and I cracked open and I shared all of my fears with him. And in that moment, he shared something so wise with me. He said, Katie, these people are not here expecting you to be something that you're not.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: They just like, they everybody loves Katie. That's just right. be Katie and ask them, do you want 25 or 50 tops for your store? Mm-hmm. And literally in that moment, George, I shifted from that place of fear to a place of confidence and certainty in who I am. Mm-hmm. Katie is genuine. Katie is real. Katie's actually interested in human beings. So, went from Katie talking, Katie, who's weaning her one year old and not a real businesswoman, and trying to talk to this, this real store buyer from Target and all the fear that comes with that, to Katie, the human, who's genuinely interested in the store buyer who might also be human right and Mm -hmm. have a family
2: might also (laughs) and have
1: and have like real human things going on in their life and all of a sudden like my shoulders went up and i know i could look people straight in the eyes speak with confidence was i telling them those things that i was afraid of no i didn't lead with that but i wasn't hiding it Mm -hmm. and so i was in the conversation human to human connecting with them and like amazing thing happened from that point on george and like Also, I had people coming into the booth asking if they could invest in me. Mm -hmm. They wanted to know how to participate and what I was doing. And, like, I was hanging with him. At one point, he was the CEO of Carter's. He Mm -hmm. was like, I just have to tell you, like, we'd been sitting there, standing there talking for, like, 15, 20 minutes. He said, you're an incredible saleswoman and an amazing negotiator.
0: Mm -hmm. I didn't know. Just being Katie.
1: I knew nothing about either one of those things. Like, I was utilizing zero tactics. And I just said, thank you.
0: Magic. Yeah. That's why I have a career. Like Katie just summed up my entire career in one minute. I was using zero tactics and I was using myself. There yes. we go. Yes. I love it. I love it. And you know, I, I actually, right before we recorded this, I recorded a show that said you have the secrets because the secret weapon is you. Right. And so Brian, yes. I'm going to lobby over to you because one of the things that I kept catching and kept hearing, and I know Brian and I had this, um, that's why I'm coming to you, Brian, is that I had a rigid relationship with my identity because it gave me a new place to hide, right? And so I was the guy who almost lost his legs and had seven concussions and had blank. And it's funny because nobody even knows that shit anymore. And they're like, I'm like, I'm shocked when someone's like, wait, what happened? I'm like, wait, you don't know? And they're like, no, I'm like, fuck, I've grown a lot. Damn. Whew. Hold on. Give me a moment. And they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm just shocked. You didn't know my whole life story in 60 seconds. Right. Because they, I used to just, I used to like literally like vulnerability bomb people because it was my yeah. new protective measure. Right. Yeah. And, and so yeah. one of the things that I think I've noticed so much and is so powerful about you two, myself included, I will give myself kudos is that me changes every day, right? Mm. Me changes yes. every day. It's like, I'm a chameleon yes. and that's the unique part about me. And so it took me a long time to let go of the rigidity of my quote unquote identity and so brian i would love for you to talk about because this is something that you're the absolute king of i feel like uprooting triggers and emotions start to unravel the paradigm of this false sense of security that having an identity gives us
2: yeah you know i could talk for years on this like i get deeply passionate about it but i'll you know i'll 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 talk about this through some stories and transitions in my life. Cause I think that's, what's going to be relatable. Um, you know, I talked about this mental and emotional narrative that I created and, you know, very quickly again, nobody knows my story or some people do, but I was rubber by truck. My left arm was torn off, severed 24 surgeries, years of adversity. And you know, in the very beginning, what was interesting is that was one of the things I remember most when I was seven years old, right after my injury, I've got a sling and a teddy bear in between. Cause I've got to have it at a 90 degree angle away from my body and Adults consistently would say, "Brian, what happened to your arm?" Expecting me to give the normal, like, "Oh, I fell off my bike," or "I fell off the jungle gym," or like, "I was playing ball and I tripped and fell." And I would look at them deadpan in the eyes because I was confident in my own narrative, which was I was run over by a truck and my left arm was torn off. Mm-hmm. I got really used to seeing jaws hit the drawer, the the floor, and yeah. all of a sudden, like the disbelief you would see flip over their face, and they'd look to my parents for validation. They didn't even believe my own story, my own truth. They didn't believe. So mm-hmm. it was conditioned into me that although this was now becoming a part of my identity, I also didn't want to be confined based on the lens others were viewing me through in what they'd be capable of in my situation. So that's when I created that mental narrative. I'm tough. I'm strong. I'm capable. I can do it myself. And by the way, that served me very well for 13 years until I rebroke my arm snowboarding. And all of a sudden I'm isolated and alone. And I realized the power of our narratives because the world had bought into me. It's not that I didn't have friends. It's not that I didn't have family that loved me. It's that they bought into my narrative. Brian's good. He's strong. He's capable. If he needs our help, he'll ask for it. But oh, by the way, I didn't have the courage or vulnerability at the time to actually ask for help, even though I was Mm -hmm. in the most vulnerable place I'd been as an adult Mm -hmm. up until that point. So I looked outside and I said, "Mm, I'm going to focus on human connection because that's what I was missing, right? And then vulnerability and authenticity became the glue that bound that human connection. I got really good at hiding behind narratives here and just enough vulnerability to get others to let their wall down and then I'd go <laughs> deep into their, right? Stop talking to me. My wall was protecting me through the questions I asked. I could share just enough that they felt that they were connected, got to know me. But that was also a place of control, hiding behind my words. I did that strategically and tactically and I'm, I would go as far as saying I mastered it over the course of the next 13 years. Then all of a sudden I'm laying on the couch with my daughter one day. She leans over, puts her arm around my neck, gives me a kiss on the cheek and I start bawling. I don't cry normally and I want to be really clear. I wish I did. I wish that I had that ability to just let myself be more free with my tears, but I conditioned it out of myself and maybe someday it won't be so much effort. But when I cried out of pure joy, I all of a sudden realized I wasn't experiencing fear, guilt, shame, anything on the other spectrum in the same way if I'd never felt joy this way. So it caused me to go a little bit deeper. That's when I uncovered my own shame, part of the narrative that was trapping me. But what I also realized is that human connection without emotion isn't really human connection. So again, I had two 13-year periods, 26 years of patterning. And when I shut off physical pain because I, it's, uh, my ability to cope exceeded my demands in that environment, I also shut off emotional pain and I didn't bring it back for almost 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so it was through that journey that I started to really understand like where shame was impacting, me, right? The two narratives of shame is you're not worthy, you're not good enough. And the other one is when you shut that down, you show up in the arena. It's, who do you think you are? That's the one I lived primarily. And I'd be lying if I said I didn't ever get tapped by worth. but I literally pulled the throttle back in my life because the bigger I lived, the more I felt I needed to apologize to people around me. Mm -hmm. And that was exactly who I was. And what I started to realize is that it was my big energy that was actually causing insecurity in other people sometimes that I was then receiving as it was my fault. I was the one in the wrong. I was creating this narrative as well that who I was wasn't good enough, perpetuated by the energy and divide by just who I was. And so I had to lean into that because when you start to recognize that each one of these places can start to really create a narrative on who we are, that's incongruent with who we actually are. That's when all of a sudden we start feeling these emotions and energy drains in places, because that means we're out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And so again, that's what I use is I try to challenge any narrative around identity at this point, other than just allowing to be myself here in the moment.
1: Davey talked a lot about
2: presence yesterday, which is something that I deeply identify with. I try to be where my feet are in every single moment because that's when I can be the purest version of who I am and not wrapped up in any ego-based consciousness or identity that's false based mm-hmm. on how the world receives me.
0: So that's a very quick narrative around it, brother. But now, Okay. You can stop quantifying short, quick. Like, Brian, we want to hear you talk. Can you just talk, please? Thank you. Just get that out of the way. Cool. See, that's my own <sighs> shame ticking me there, right? Shut, shut up. I love you. It's great. Okay. Shut the fuck uh, up. Uh, Stop. You're like your own heckler. Like no. you're like yeah, your own plant, true. right? It's like, if you could throw your voice, you'd be the best stand-up ever because you could be your own heckler. And nobody would know. And it's so good. It's so good. So what you said, I think is huge. And I want to make a point on this because it, for everybody wondering, um, the three amigos here, i.e. Um, We're just following the bright light of sunshine, Katie, to have a positive impact on the world. We're doing some stuff together. We want to do events together. We're doing some stuff to really unlock the power of you. But Brian, one of the things that I think is so powerful and Katie, I'm going to come back to you in a minute. But what we talked about, Brian, I wanted you to share that because it's the same for me. Like it was the same story, right? It was a it was a survival mechanism, though. It wasn't ill intentioned. It wasn't anything. It served to survive. And then once the wound started to heal, we had to start uprooting those patterns, change the come from, and now it's one of the greatest skill sets that any human being can have to be able to meet there. But one of the things that I think I needed to hear a long time ago that nobody told me is that it's messy. And the messy oh is what makes it so beautiful. Like, I, you know, you've heard for years, like the message is in the mess, right? Like it's there. And because I'd lived with so much trauma, I had such a polarizing view of what it should look like. I thought the opposite was just numb or steady or up, right? And so then I would rob myself of joy. I would rob myself of gratitude. I would rob myself of happiness and experiences because the up of positivity felt just as bad, if not worse than the down. Oh, dude, I get that deeply. Because I had more practice And more reps in chaos than i had in positivity and possibility and so what i wish somebody told me and this is how i see you brian and myself it's like you ever watch one of those cheesy superhero movies where the person figures out in that moment they have a superpower and they break everything right i feel like that's what the work of entrepreneurship is it's the moment you make a choice to step into the unknown You're basically fast-tracking yourself for one of the loneliest, powerful, catalyst-transforming experiences of your life, but in order to get there, you have to be willing to make a mess. You're going to have to shoot that rainbow shit out of your belly for six years before somebody realizes you're a Care Bear, right? Like, you're not a Care Bear in the beginning. You might be a Teletubby with a funny shape on your head, but, like, nobody knows that that's, like, a heart coming out of your belly because right now we're just, like, shotgunning everybody. And so I just think it's really important for everybody to understand, like we talk about, we hear Katie talking about your vision and being in alignment and doing it. When you start releasing things, sometimes that can get messy. We talk about Brian talking about emotion and uprooting it and how everything is based in feeling. Well, feeling means you actually fucking feel it. Like you feel it. And you know, Stefanos, Stefanos is one of my best friends and also coaches and teachers and mentors. You know, and he's been the best one for me ever. And I've shared this with Brian because, you know, he's my best friend and they just had a baby two days ago. Congrats, bro. I love you, man. Um, He'll be the one. But it's like if I pick up the phone, if I call Brian, typically it's because there's a fire, right? Occasionally we'll text, you know, we text pretty good. But if the phone's ringing, Brian's pretty much safe to assume that like something's burning down or I'm about to burn something down, right? Like it's like, okay, cool like pattern interrupt, but what I love about Brian, just like Stephanos, is Brian's a master of witness, right? He doesn't solve anything. He doesn't give me anything. He even asks me, do you want me to tell you what you already know? And I'm like, no, I just needed to vent for a minute. And I had to get comfortable being with this feeling and not trying to change it, right? And that coexisting with that feeling is so big. And Stephanos will do the same thing. And I'm like, hey, man, what do I do? And he's like, do you feel something? I'm like, yeah, he's like, sit with it longer. I was like, what? And he's like, you sit with it till you feel nothing. And then, you know, it's time to act. And so I just wanted to say for everybody listening to this, like whatever it is, like, maybe you don't have the life you want or the vision or the relationship or the business or the, all of it. And Katie, this is where I'm going to lobby to you. You talked about step number one in your five step process, being, having an accurate view of your current state, an accurate view of your current state. Now, for me. Typically, if I'm looking in the mirror, I look over my shoulder because I'm afraid to look at my own eyeballs because the current state and the truth of it scares me a little bit, carries a little bit of shame, carries a little bit of guilt. Sometimes there's some fault and I feel like it's a titration and a practice, right? And so what do you think, Katie, are like some of the most important things for people to think about or narratives to have or support systems around to help them really see that accurate current state? so that they can get that awareness. And the reason I'm saying this is because we're gonna talk to people about this in the Area of you challenge, but one of the things that I did for so long, was like, oh, my marriage is broken or Lindsay's unhappy. Brian, what book do I read? He's like this one, I'm like, cool. Oh, it gave me something to do, go do it. And I would do it and I would sprint at it, (laughs) but nothing underneath changed because I wasn't acknowledging the current state, right? I was picking a symptom and then I was trying to solve the symptom, hoping it would eradicate the disease. And it took me probably 37 years to be able to sit down and have an honest conversation about the current state. And so, Katie, I would like to give everybody a fast pass if possible. And I feel like you're the queen of doing this. And so what is your advice or tips for people to find a healthy monogamous relationship with their current state?
1: Well, to to help people understand why awareness is so important, you cannot change what you cannot see. And that's why you have to start there because what's getting in the way is you, but you're absolutely blind to it and mm-hmm. you can't see it. And this is, why, this is why all three of us are doing the work that we're doing because we're trying to help people see what, what, how they're getting in their own way. And you also need to understand that there are pieces of you that don't want to see it. And in particular, as somebody, especially if it's somebody external and even internally, As you start to see it, there's a part of you that pops up called the ego that doesn't wanna see it and wants to point the finger, wants to blame, wants to explain, wants to throw out all kinds of excuses and give us the backstory behind why you're doing that thing that you're doing and why you're doing (laughs) it that way, whatever it is, right? That will stop all progress, all progress. So you have to acknowledge that this is uncomfortable that there's a big part of you that's not you that is going to want to stop it from happening. And you have to make the decision that you want to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And recognize that that pain, that discomfort, is the, it is the key to growth. And unless mm-hmm. you can get comfortable with the discomfort, you're not going to be able to, to walk through that. Mm-hmm. And so you have to make a decision that I want to be uncomfortable. Because Mm -hmm. I know that the growth and the progress that I want, the success, the connection, um, everything that you want is on the other side of that discomfort. Mm -hmm. So you have to consciously make a decision that I wanna walk through the discomfort. And it's gonna be uncomfortable, it's gonna be painful. There's gonna be a part of me inside that's kicking and screaming and saying, don't do it. It's gonna feel like death. But what's dying is your ego, not your Mm -hmm. infinite self.
0: I'm just gonna i'm just gonna let that marinate for like yeah. seven seconds like just like maybe seven i just want to give it a moment of silence i felt that yes yes and what i find really interesting about this it's like you know you have somebody who's like somebody who does an iron man right i think they're sadistic as shit because i've done one right that pain of training is a hundred times greater than any feeling I've ever had to sit with, but yet will justify. You know what? I don't want to feel my feelings. I'm going to go ride a bike for seven hours and pretend I don't have them as I like literally torture myself, right? Where it's like, you know, one personal development teacher for me a long time ago um, kept talking about how I was creating chaos and and, and boom, 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 boom. And I was like, okay. And she looked me dead in the eye. She's like, you ever been in a car accident? I'm like, yes, a lot. And she's like, okay, we'll we'll talk about that one later. But do you remember the feeling? And I was like, I do. And she's like, the pit in your stomach. like, Or when you see a cop and you think you're going to get pulled over, you almost miss an accident. She's like, that feeling. You know that feeling I'm talking about? Yeah. She's like, what is that feeling? I'm like, sucks. It's horrible. It's pain. Mm-hmm. It's anguish. It's fear. Like, I might die, right? And she's like, cool. you ever been on a roller coaster? I was like, yeah. She's like, one that scared you? I'm like, yeah. She, what was the feeling like? And I looked at her and I'm like, and I literally like flicked her off and I was like, don't finish this. Like, don't. I, it's too simple for me to even want to listen to you right now. She's like, what was the feeling like? And I was like, this ain't. Yeah. And she's like, so why? Why one right? Why one wrong? And I realized for me, Brian, most of my life, I was collecting evidence for the story rather than for my true happiness and my presence. Dude, so powerful. Like, so powerful. That is exactly the point I was
2: making earlier around like delabeling even emotions. Cause there are times now that I'm just trying to identify the energy that I'm experiencing, right? Mm-hmm. Because in a prior period of life, I might have this energy that I would identify as an emotion, as anxiety or stress or fear, legitimately. And then when I calm myself down to go through that paradigm of think about my thinking, think about my feeling, feel my thinking, feel my feeling, I'm all of a sudden in this position where I'm like, wait a minute, I'm not stressed, I'm not anxious. This is just energy waiting to be deployed. And so sometimes we've put a label or a narrative, even around what we're experiencing, sometimes that even if we go to the level of trying to say, well, what emotion is that? What are you feeling, right? We sometimes can't even define that accurately because we've lost the art of feeling. And so often what we're actually doing with a lot of the work with our clients is it's like, okay, so I have a client who identifies with anxiety. Does it move through her body in the same way every single time? No, it doesn't. When she gets anxious because she's triggered at work, it shows up in one way. When she gets anxious because she feels like she's being challenged by her husband, it shows up another way. When she gets anxious because she feels like she's being judged externally by her parents or anybody else in her world, it shows up another way. All the anxiety showed up in her body completely different. And so part of that is we've got to start to recognize that living between the poles, the gift in the gray area is actually how we move forward. We have to start to mm-hmm. shed the layers, not only of what the world has told us, but the ones and things that we've convinced ourselves have a narrative to it. That's what I love about what you said is that I use these things to look for feedback and variables to create the story. And that's also Mm -hmm. one of the reasons I like Ryan Holiday's quote, so phenomenal. There's the event that happens, or there is no good or bad without us. There's the event that happens in the story we tell ourselves. The more we can put ourselves in that position of neutrality, to see things both as the observer and the participant real time, to experience the environment that we're in, the more we see ourselves more clearly and the more we're able to identify and move through relationships, business and life more clearly
0: mhm i I absolutely love it and and, you know, it's so profound and I want to say this for everybody and i'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question in a minute, Katie, um about this is that would you agree, Brian and Katie, that literally um the number one most important needle mover is aligned progress, right? Like just taking a step every day from a place of alignment, like aligned momentum, aligned progress uh, to where uh, like hundred percent a hundred percent that's
1: where your power because-
0: is. A thousand percent. Yes. And and I wanna say this, I wanna say this and I wanna say it because we're like, you know, I make fun of I'm a little aggressive with some of the people I make fun of on the internet, but I'm toning it down, right? I'm being better now. I don't know. Not mean you, bro. <laughs> no, no. I feel like I'm the Robin Hood of the marketing world. I rob from the rich to give to the poor, and then I help the poor overtake the rich, and then the rich end up working for the poor, and it's this beautiful thing. Just, <laughs> can I just be little John? I'll just be yeah, little John. Cool. i just think it's so cool like i love that movie with kevin costner he shot the arrow through the dude's hand and he became like my hero Dude, seriously was, like, the kevin
2: costner yeah. album, was the best one ever made by the way that and the disney one the, and so it's like version.
0: katie Ka- katie one. had like these women on her board her vision board of like corporate room board meeting mom and i have like kevin costner an arrow through the hand i'm like that's who <laughs> i'm gonna be in the marketing world right like that's it and then here I am, still going. And now Katie's on other women's vision boards, and all Katie has to do is look in the mirror at her own reflection. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some notes, Katie. I'm taking notes. What's up? I might, I might strive. I'm learning every day from this little, one. I might, I might strive for something a little bit, a little bit differently. It's so good that I, as one of the really good communicators, I completely lost my point. I'm totally okay with it. So I'm gonna go now to you, Katie. Well, so it's
1: kind of, it's kind of your point, like. Go ahead. I, it's interesting to hear you guys talk about pain and how like that was comfortable for you. And I didn't yeah. like pain. I didn't like uncomfortable feelings. I didn't like when I was like beating myself up or being self-critical. And so for a long time, without the awareness of what I was doing, I, like my whole life, when I look back and I reflect, all I was doing was trying to feel joy. That's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I just wanted to feel joy. In my business, in my family, with my kids, with my husband, in my faith in in my physicality, like that's what gets me up at five thirty in the morning to go work out and exercise. I know that I can feel joy when I take care of myself, and so that mm-hmm. is what i I think subconsciously I've always been seeking is joy, and mm-hmm. I've been good at being aware of what brings me joy and what doesn't, and just making mm-hmm. decisions to stay in the place and do the things and even talk to myself in a way where I can feel joy
2: you know. That's powerful because people ask me like what my definition of success is and, and it's joy, freedom, and fulfillment. Like truly at this point in my life, it used to be all the external elements, but what you just said is so powerful because what I also believe is that pain, suffering, and discomfort are all on the same scale. We just experience them differently. Yeah. Right. So that's one of the things that I talk about with pain and suffering is the distinction between them, which I'm not going to do today because we're, it, the, it's not going to take too far away from the, the piece of it. But what's interesting is discomfort is kind of the 5k to pain's marriage. And so when you talk about living in the place of discomfort, it's the same concept because what I think we're actually, what he and I didn't understand is that the physical pain was the way that we numbed our suffering. We were Mm -hmm. suffering inside for the same reason. We had a gap with the connection to joy, freedom, Mm -hmm. and fulfillment, Mm -hmm. because we didn't have the pathway to get there. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. what we had been conditioned is that pain was a lesser. Narrative than suffering, which is what we experienced inside, and so we put ourselves into these places of physical pain because that's also how we allowed ourselves to feel alive.
1: Yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm. And so for you, you talk about it as discomfort. It's just a different scale. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It's all the same concept. Yeah. But again, pain is one yeah. of those things that's hard to define because it's independent to the person experience. Yeah. So we can't draw any yep. definitive conclusions around pain except for one thing. Right. It's a universal human experience.
1: 100. percent. And so
2: if we recognize that it's a universal human experience, it's not about the severity, the length or the intensity. At the end of the day, pain, discomfort and suffering are all on a scale of things that we all choose to want to not have in our lives. Yeah. But they are inevitable mm-hmm. in our lives. Absolutely so if we choose the elements of pain that we exist in, yes, then we can avoid suffering on the other side. And that's absolutely. also where we gain freedom. Yeah. so this is the depth of this concept, which in the era of you challenge we may just end up going towards, which wasn't the initial plan. But I do think that this is the narrative that people have to understand is to be get get to freedom, you have to live in some level of discomfort yeah. or pain to avoid that suffering on the other side.
1: Yes. And Real, I wanna and, and, go ahead, so go, go. Go. and I wanna add one other thing. It's not that I don't have pain. I right. Have a, I think the distinction is you guys were doing those things to Correct. to stay there. And be numb in that, for and sure. I use pain as a signal. Exactly, it is a signal, and it's it's life saying, "Hey, Katie, pay attention. There's something really important for you to learn right here."
0: Thousand percent. And so percent. I deconstruct and, and I, oh, the pain,
1: and I learn the lesson, and then I choose to apply that lesson into my, and I start living yep. what I learned.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is the exact same thing and, we've done. It just took us a hell of a lot longer to get to that place. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna synthesize this because what Brian and I weren't doing where we weren't trying to feel pain. To be numb we were using pain to convince ourselves we weren't numb wow. there's a very it's big a different difference period, and that's why i was saying it made us feel alive wow. the only so for, yeah for us we lived with such stimulus and such trauma uh-huh. in the response that the day-to-day made us feel like we didn't belong yeah. i'm speaking for brian right now in yeah. a yeah. conversation You're we actually well. never had yeah. um we've had many light night conversations but this wasn't one of them to the point where i used to run around and say I'm a different human. I'm not normal. I can't feel. I can't empathize and I can't have compassion. Permanent damage was done to me and the only thing I feel is numb. Yep. And so then a thousand skydives, scuba diving, mountain bike racer, spinal cord injuries, paralysis, barefoot skiing like you name it, Brian and I have done it and owned all of it yeah. because what we were chasing was this belief that we could be human like everybody else because we lived with such intense pain that anything that wasn't on the top felt like it didn't even exist. And so we were actually conditioned that we were only alive when the stimulus is what most people would call a top three traumatic life experience.
2: thousand percent. So deeply ingrained that we literally had to push ourselves to the limits of survival to feel a lot and it was mm-hmm. through that that we learned to feel other pieces but it just took a hell of a lot to get there
1: i have a question boy i'm so fascinated by all of this please because you lived in that pain and suffering for so long your capacity for that was quite significant it's huge does that also then mean that your capacity for joy when you started to let it in was very very small and it's taken time for you to expand that
0: yep yes a thousand percent yeah. beautiful but... Not but end the most beautiful part though is that range is range regardless of the field. Yes. And so as a man who does this work and and is constantly sharpening his edge, what I understand with that capacity is that capacity is also what gives me the capacity to do what I do every exactly. day yeah. from a place of love and joy. Yeah. Like it's easy for me to hold space and to take it on. And everyone's like, How do you do it? I was like, Bro, this is like preschool yeah. compared to what i like i've done to myself like, are you kidding me like <laughs> i, say I even will pay you true i will pay you to let me coach you if this is all i get to do like this is heaven for me right and so with it yes katie it, it's almost like a titrated behavior right and because it's removing and uprooting and then intentionally coming in but it also brings me to a point and i was going to ask you, Katie. How you feel and experience joy now, would you say by definition it is completely different than what you thought it would feel like when you were looking for joy?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, My greatest joys are in the the small little things. Like more and more Mm -hmm. these days. I remember... Thinking that, you know, being on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine or being on the Ellen Show, like that to me was going to be the ultimate joy. In fact, it was the opposite. It kind of felt empty afterwards. And it was really shocking and surprising. But like before I'm in Vegas right now, before I flew out to Vegas, I had an hour between my coaching calls and when I needed to head to the airport. And I made an avocado salad and a strawberry smoothie with my eight-year-old and 17-year-old. And we sat on the deck. We live in Puerto Rico on the beach. We sat on the deck eating this really healthy meal that we cooked together in the kitchen. Cooked. It was all raw. We had prepared together (laughs) in the kitchen, watching the waves roll in. And like like that to me, I I would get emotional. I'm not crying right now, but I'm about to. Mm -hmm. Like that to me, that was like the top. That is the ultimate joy for me in my life is those uh, kinds of experiences.
2: And what I love about what you just said and what I know about you D, and George, what you teed up so beautifully is the reason we're doing era of you challenge. Because at the end of the day, what each one of us has realized in our own respective ways, and I'm going to use you as the example, because that was a perfect narrative that leads right where we need to go. What you also identified is that you were conditioned to chase all the what's of the world for a long time, yeah. right? Yeah. What magazine mm-hmm. am I going to be on? What TV show am I going to be on? What uh, business is going to look like? What amount of success, what amount of money, what house, what car, what everything, right? Yeah. All of us have done that. George and I talk about it. It's like, I mm-hmm. mean, geez, it's literally one of the things we did to give ourselves an identity <laughs> externally that we felt we could be comfortable enough to live in because we always felt we had something wrong dr- with us. But if we had a $100,000 vehicle that we rolled up in for a minute, that, that felt really good, right? Now I drive a station wagon and I live in I Montana and I'm just happy a <laughs> no, shift. We literally have been, we went through this inquiring phase and now we're in like a complete shift of priority because what we started to realize in our own house and what you articulated beautifully is it's not about the what. What is important, but it is it is always going to feel empty without the who. Yes. And so mm-hmm. everything that we do is focusing again in this area of identifying. And I would say this is true for the three of us in the way that we live our world and how we interact with the world, people, the folks that we want to impact, because we truly believe this to our core, that if everybody can be who they are at the most authentic level, that they will then experience freedom. And there's a ripple effect of that through the world. And so we focus so deeply on who we are and who we're becoming, right? Who we're doing this for your family, who we're doing this with your husband, each other. Who we're going to impact. And so what she Mm -hmm. recognized is that simplicity is not about the external. It's about the internal. It's about the things that are closest Mm -hmm. to us, who we are. And so this era of you challenge is literally because we all believe that it's time to close the era of what. And start with the era of who, which begins with the era of you. It's like, it's cute.
0: It's like, it's just cute just it makes so much much sense sense. it's just cute I just love it when you say it I love it the what the the thing that keeps coming up for me because this is it's weird to say this that it took me 40 years to get this but you know I've had like a trend in marketing every single year that I've kind of gone after like three years ago my whole coaching methodology for that year is your measuring stick is broken right like your unit of measure is not an accurate representation of the impact you're having in the world right and then the next year it was about time and this year It's about how monetization is defined wrong because everybody has it associated with a dollar and it's really about a person. And so my new and my entire conversion metric for this entire year is just the depth of relationships. That's it. This, like I've said yes to more things in the last month that will either never pay me or they'll pay me a hundred million in the next five years. And I don't give a fuck either way because my win was saying yes and embodying the yes because my win happened as Katie said in that small moment in the relationship that was deepened and the possibility together that we bonded over that if that happens, the potential is just a dessert that I wouldn't even order in the first place and so it's it's so 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 powerful so let me do this real quick yes. Katie, can you give everybody um and by the way, when you guys go to the I review page the video I edited it because I had fun. Um, I promise you, Katie is not on a green screen. Not That's on That's the green deck screen.
1: that I had lunch with my kids with.
0: <laughs> I was literally editing this footage, and I was like, this looks like a it composite It like green a green screen.
2: screen. I thought the same thing. And
0: I'm like, Katie, I was like, Katie, stick your hand out in the air. Like, touch that leaf. Like, is that real? Like, stick it out. Like, it looks so insane. And I was like, this has to be fake. It's not fake. It's completely not fake. So let me, let me tell everybody what happened here. So let me give you a little bit of backstory. Brian being Brian, Brian stands for all human possibility. Cause Brian embodies the who over everything. Brian said, Hey man, I have a guy. He's got a big heart. I said, I'm fucking it. No more needed. Introduces me to the guy. The guy says, yes, I fly to Denver. Me, Brian, Katie meet in person in Denver, all standing for some amazing humans possibility, which by the way, is still one of the greatest fucking human beings I've ever met in my life. Greg, a goddamn rock star, bro. Keep it up. Don't ever change. And congrats on the baby. Um, and then this synergy starts happening. And then Brian gets ideas. Brian starts going. He texts both Katie and I and says, I have an idea. And we both respond, we're in. <laughs> no idea what the idea is. Like none. We have no fucking clue. And then Brian was like, and Katie's in, I'm like, I'm doubling. I don't care. I was like, I was already in, but I'm like doubling. You could tell me to put on like a pink elephant suit and go stand on the corner, like I'm in at this point. And so that's how this came to be. We got on a call and we're like, what can we do? Like, what do we want to do? Where do we go? Brian and I do events together. All three of us speak together. We co-create whenever we can. And we're like, how do we embody what it is that we're talking about just on this podcast? I'm like, well, we give it away. And so Brian being Mr. Infinity, the eight, Mr. Like communicator master with like syllables and colloquies and fucking entendres and like everything you can imagine in his words comes and puts this thing together and it just formulates itself perfectly. And we decided to come together to form the dream team, to have the power or the era of you. And basically the three of us are co-teaching every day. How many days, Brian? five days to where basically in five days what recharging dollars we're charging eight dollars and we're donating we the money but we're making sure that you're willing to invest eight dollars in your possibility because if you're not i love you slide into my dms i will hold space until you're ready but if you can't give up a quad frappuccino of poison at starbucks then i don't know where we're gonna go at this point and so for five days eight bucks Every single day, we are going to get you accurately to your current state, a clear view of where you want to go. Brian is going to uproot, unravel, and take out the things that get in the way to give you fresh soil to till in who it is you want to be. And I'm going to share the tips, the tricks, and the ways to have an integrous relationship with yourself, with a powerful support system around you, so that the only possibility is your success. Something like that.
2: And Katie and her ability to help people design the future. In addition to all of that is going to be beautiful. So to your point, numbers mean things to me. We're doing this on four, four, four plus four equals eight, eight turned on its sideways is an infinity. We are truly <laughs> aligning the era of you to give you the greatest possibility to live in alignment with who you are exactly who you want to become and to truly live your no limits, infinite life. Because when you set yourself up mm-hmm. right, it can become a self-regulating world where you know what fits and what doesn't and who you're chasing in every moment. The who's that I'm doing this with are two of the greatest thought leaders and communicators that I've had the privilege of getting to interact with. Yeah, yeah. You, George. You, Katie. And so truly, when I asked them, it's because I wouldn't be able to pull this off without the two of their hearts, their minds, and their ability to connect with you. Because that's what we care about is lived potential.
0: And I want to say this, by the way, I didn't say Katie's name because the whole first part of everything I said, I was just referencing Katie. I only said Brian and me for the oh, one sentence. I, I knew that, that I, you did we that. I just wanted to make sure you knew that was all where it was coming back to. Because we're <laughs> just following Katie. Let's be honest. And and I love it. And I'll, I'll, I'll take I'll take your compliment. By the way, I've noticed all three of us, we get to hold each other accountable to to receiving compliments. Yeah, I'm not good at it. I'm, I'm here for this. No, Brian, here's what's funny. I'll here, This is like my confessional, right? Brian always calls me. I like, I have more screenshots of Brian text messages on my phone than anybody because I have a rainy day folder, right? I made an album called rainy day and I save my testimonials and I take text messages for my friends and the ones that matter and I save them. And Brian's constantly calling me like a great communicator, like one of the most incredible communicators. And, and literally probably until three weeks ago, he would say it and my brain would be like, cancel, 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 cancel. And then one day I was like, shut the fuck up. And I like went to the mirror and I looked at it and I looked at myself and I read it to myself and I'm about to cry right now. And I started bawling and I started bawling. And it unraveled even more because my consulting career, because I wasn't confident in who I was, became successful based on self-deprecation because it was easier to dehumanize myself than it was to stand in my possibility and be too much. And so, Brian, you've heard me say this. And I used to say, I'm not that good. I'm just addicted to hearing myself talk. So I might as well get paid for it. And so you texted me and I sat with that. And I realized how much subtle digging is in that statement to myself and my soul. Like how much I self-deprecate and I devalue and I take away the fabric of everything that I actually do every single day. And I realized, and it helped me collapse this paradigm that really the only thing that I have to do is shut my mouth and look up. And everything that I've sworn by is what I'm living. But it's a really, really powerful thing. And, And the one thing that I want to acknowledge all three of us on, but you two more than anything. And for everybody listening, the reason I choose to align with these two human beings is because there is zero lip service. And quite frankly, I don't hear most of what they say. I just pay attention to everything in their fucking life. And I mean, in person their energy their responses their emotions the way they show up online they don't realize that i'm like a level nine professional stage nine clinger stalker on the internet oh i I see everything
1: you tell me every time i I see you
0: and it's i do i'm like well i saw this that was good how was that how'd that go how'd that look and really it's beautiful when every ounce of evidence in the world that you see aligns to the state of being that both of you exhibit And it's an absolute beautiful thing to witness and to be a part of. And so for everybody listening, for everybody watching, I'm gonna tell you right now, the best thing you can do is sign up for this challenge. It's five days. We're gonna be a video every single day. We got emails to support you. We are breaking it down. So every day you're gonna have something tangible to put into practice, to put into your life. And we do have an ulterior motive. We do I'll be the fucking one to say it. It's not money. It's that we want your butt in a seat in a room so we can hug and high five you and do this in person. And basically. It's starting online so that we can selfishly aggregate you into whatever exotic location that we bring you to help make a ripple and a dent in the world, because we're going to do events together as well. So yeah. that's my selfish reason for doing this. Cause I just yeah. like partying in person. A
2: thousand percent agree. Given our tech <laughs> issues, our battery is about to die on our side. So I think that's the <laughs> perfect place to start
0: wrapping. Well, let's so perfect. So let's do this. So for everybody wondering, the easiest place, I'm gonna make this really easy for you. If you want the link, just DM me, Arrow View. I will personally send it to you. I will personally send it to you. If you don't want to DM me, totally fine. I'll slide into your DMs later, but you can go to arrowviewchallenge.com, right? It's E-R-A-O-F-Y-O-U Challenge.com, right, Brian? Okay. Arrow View Challenge. We'll make it easy. We'll do the DM. So I'm going to ask you like, do I have like 3%, 4%? Where am at I at battery yeah. wise? Okay, cool. One quick question for each of you because I have to stick with the format of my show. Katie, you're gonna go first. So, Katie, imagine that anybody listening and watching this had just got men in blacked. So the last hour and 12 minutes get erased from their entire memory. And all you have in this moment is 30 seconds to tattoo some wisdom on their soul that they're gonna take with them for the rest of their life. What do you say?
1: There's a desire inside of you right now that maybe you haven't been speaking. And What I want you to know is that thing that you want, you can do it. And I believe it. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Brian. You've answered this question one too many times. So I think I'm going to go a little bit of another way. I don't want you to tattoo anything on anybody's soul, but there's people listening to this right now. And in this moment, they're open. They've made it this far. They have an awareness of possibility or an opening what would you recommend somebody do in this moment to solidify or fill that bucket in the right way or make a step in the right direction?
2: If you're feeling it and you're open, sit with that a little bit longer. And then I want you to just transfer that into the recognition and understanding that you're not alone. We're all deeply connected. We're deeply connected to each other. We're energetically connected with each other. And at the end of the day, we all are wanting to have a significant impact on this world. It doesn't happen alone either. It only happens with collective impact. And so if you were moved by this, I just ask Mm -hmm. you to pay attention and acknowledge that, keep yourself in movement so that you can move others. Because not only do we want to impact your life, but we want to elevate and empower you to be able to impact the lives of others. Cause it's when you can use your own pain, your own struggles, your own ability to lean into who you are. When you do that, you create freedom and you can start doing that for others. We're still on the journey, no final destination, constant evolution of self. We keep each other accountable because guess what? That's where we are. And I have blind spots and issues every day. So you're not alone. We're in this with you we're in this together, we absolutely can leave the mark on the world we want as individuals, but even stronger collectively.
0: Thank you so much. And I'm gonna add one thing. I said this a long time ago. Everybody can get to the top of the mountain, but when you get up there alone, it's one of the loneliest places you can be. This is not a solo game. This is a team game. And I'm gonna tell you right now, the world's greatest leaders you'll never know exist because they make it about their people and not about them. And you have the honor and privilege of listening to these two who embody that every single day, because there's people that stand for your greatness and there's people that take credit for your greatness. And these two amazing human beings will stand for your greatness. And I'm honored and humbled to be aligned with them. And so I highly recommend you DM me, you come jump into the air review challenge. You come party with us, go follow Katie, go follow Brian. I'll have links to everything in the show notes. We're going to preserve battery life. We're going to let the iPhone do its thing. But guys, it's been an absolute pleasure. Katie, thank you so much. Brian, thank you so much. Like from the bottom of my heart, this was a gift. And so thank, thank you guys George. for being Thank you both for saying yes. Yeah, that's my word this year. It's yes. So without further ado, you're either going to see me in the next episode or you'll hear me in your ear bubbles, but it's time for me to stop bumping my gums and for you to listen to the outro. So here we go. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Mind of George Show.